Hey everybody. Right. Well, welcome to your welcome to your Friday. You're listening to Crooked News where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and stories from you. Mm-hmm. Please send your stories to us. <laughs> Talkcrooked at gmail.com. Yes, please. <laughs> or ideas. That would be lovely. Yeah. Um <clears throat> All right. All right. We ready? Yep. Okay. We're starting at the BBC.com. Okay. My favorite place. Yes. This does not have an author. Oh, my God. Okay. What? Why? Come on. (laughs) Okay. Hold on. Elevator music. Okay. So, coronavirus. Pub landlord installs electric fence around bar. <laughs> and this was... Po- what? Uh-huh. This was posted yesterday. And he looks real serious. Um, okay. A pub landlord has put an electric <clears throat> fence in front of his bar to encourage customers to keep social distancing. Um... Johnny McFadden, who <laughs> who runs the Star Inn at uh, St. Just Cornwall, said there was limited space in his bar, which only served drinks and no food. He described the barrier as just a normal electric fence that you would find in a field. When asked if it was switched on, Mr. McFadden said, come and find out. There's a fear factor and it works. Oh my god. <laughs> Mr. McFadden <laughs> Mr. McFadden said he had struggled to get the social distancing message across to some customers in the bar because when you serve people a drink, they change. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> he said the fence worked. Inhibitions come down. Yes. That's how alcohol works. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <coughs> he said the fence worked because people keep away from it. People are like sheep. They, they know it is a fence and don't want to touch it to find out whether it is on or not. The landlord, oh my God. <laughs> the landlord said his customers were happy with the fencing and it had generated a lot of laughs. One person who did not <laughs> see the funny side was Mr. McFadden's insurance broker. <laughs> he was a bit worried, oh no. but then that's what he is there for. <laughs> yes, he rang an, that's true. He rang a nephew of mine and said, I hope he's not electrocuting people. Well, come and find out if I am. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this man. This is hilarious. Right? (laughs) Johnny McFadden. He does not give a fuck. He does not. Does not give a fuck. (laughs) Mr. Mr. McFadden don't give a fuck. No, he does not. Gives no fucks. Oh, wow. That's awesome. I love it. (laughs) So, this one um, comes from CornwallLive.com. And I almost used it in last week's Crooked News, but I didn't know if I wanted to or not. And then I saw it again, and I was like, we're going to do it. So, um, this is by Carl Eve. It was posted July 10th of this year. Man high on drugs detained by police after biting seagull. The 26-year-old claimed... I'm sorry, what? (laughs) The 26-year-old claimed... You read that... Like it was boring. 
What? 28 year He bit a seagull? Yes, he bit a seagull. That's disgusting. You might as well bite a rat. <laughs> uh. The 26-year-old claimed the bird attacked him and targeted his McDonald's meal. <laughs> it's a seagull. Apparently. Of course it attacked you and your food. <laughs> um. Oh my god. Police say they detained a man near Derry's Cross after officers spotted him attacking a seagull and biting it. Oh my god. Um What? Sorry, hold on. Did you lose your place? Uh yeah, had a small interruption. Oh. Da 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 you're leaving us hanging. So officers from the Charles Cross neighborhood policing team were on patrol around the Rayleigh Street area of Plymouth, where it joins New George Street just before three PM on Thursday. Oh my god. A spokesperson for the team said they were working alongside other agencies, including PARC, dealing with a homeless man when they heard the nearby commotion. Plymouth Live <laughs> understands the man, a 26-year-old local, claimed he was being attacked for his McDonald's meal, and in response, he grabbed the bird and bit it. <laughs> oh my god, I want McDonald's so bad. <laughs> right. Uh, the, po- oh. the police spokesperson told Plymouth Live he sunk his teeth into it before throwing it to the floor. Um, oh my god! <laughs> officers had seen the incident and immediately went over and detained the- and took details from him. Around- <laughs> and you were like, okay, what have you been smoking? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one bites us a seagull. No. <laughs> or catches one. What the hell? Like, wh- <laughs> just go sit in your car and eat your food. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Around this time, the man volunteered the information that he was under the influence of drugs, and it was decided he should be taken to Dareford Hospital for treatment. The- <laughs> yeah, he absolutely should. Yeah. And he should never take whatever he took. No. Ever again. <laughs> uh, Ew. Okay. Well, that's... Um, and then he had bird flu. Yeah. The end. Then he had bird flu. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, oh, my bird flu. <laughs> uh, okay. So the seagull was clearly injured by the incident, but flew off before we were oh. able to check on its welfare. We don't know what happened to it oh. afterwards. Seagulls, seagulls may be regarded as pests by many, but they are protected by the Wildlife and Countryside Act of 1981. Yeah, they help the ecosystem. Yeah. You can't... Mm-mm. No. You can't fuck with that shit. <laughs> so, um, so that was that. <laughs> <laughs> that was delightful. <laughs> I'm glad. And upsetting. <laughs> and now I want McDonald's. <laughs> so thanks. You're welcome. Um, and I can't have it. <laughs> so this last one. <laughs> Troopers. I'm glad my pain amuses you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Troopers investigating attempted robbery of pizza store. Uh, and this was posted Saturday, Saturday, July 11th, uh, by the Delaware oh, okay. State Police. Um, I thought you said by the devil wears, and I <laughs> thought you were going to say the devil wears Prada. <laughs> yes. 
I can't hear anything correctly tonight, apparently. <laughs> no. Benadryl is my new wine, apparently. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, Lord. All right. <clears throat> the Delaware State Police are investigating an attempted robbery of a pizza store owner that occurred last evening. The incident occurred on July 10th, 2020, at approximately 10.30 p.m., when troopers were dispatched to the Stargate Pizza, located on the Sussex Highway. We don't need to know that. Um, <laughs> upon arrival, troopers met with the store owner, who advised that while he was closing the business, he was approached outside by a subject who proceeded to display a machete and demand money. Um. <coughs> what? Uh-huh. This man just walks up with a machete and tries to rob him at machete point. All right, easy, Jason Voorhees. <laughs> the store owner advised the suspect that he did not have any money and threw a pizza at him, causing the suspect to flee. <laughs> 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 yes, weaponized pizza. Yes. It sounds delicious <laughs> and effective. Yes. The store owner <clears throat> did not sustain any injury as a result of this incident. The suspect was well. That's good. Yeah, the suspect was described as a white male who ran from the scene and got into a vehicle on northbound Sussex Highway. Um, of course, it was a white male. Yeah, no one else would try and rob some pizza dude with a machete. No, <laughs> idiot in Delaware. Oh my god, fucking Delaware. Yeah. <laughs> in Delaware of all places. Um. So yeah, <laughs> that was my segment. Wow. That was good. Thanks. Very nice. Sorry for the little interruptions right. there, but <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. That happens. All right, let's take let's take a short break. Okay. And we're back. We are. Yay. Okay. So, um I know last week was a little bit weird. <laughs> uh we're back to actual history now. So, um and this one is really really cool. So, um Ooh. I had definitely never heard of this before, and I'm really, really excited. Okay. Hang on. Have to take a Tums. Pause. Okay. This episode will just be called Pause. Goodness, honey. Mm. I know. I'm suffering. Okay, so... Um, the, um... I think I'm on, like, my third bottle of Tums since I got pregnant. So... Uh-huh. Um, okay. So, I found this really cool article on Ranker um, called... The, called These Polish Doctors, quote-unquote, infected Jews with a fake virus to help save them from Nazi death camps. Oh, wow. How fucking cool is that? That's incredible. <clears throat> yeah. So. Okay. So this was written by Cleo Eng- Eg- Egnol? Eng- Engel? Egnol? Um, Engel? Mm-hmm. It, sure. It was updated um, October 17th of 2019. And yeah. So we got 10 things to get through. Um, they're short, of course, but you know how Ranker is. They do, like, their little, like, yeah. little segments or whatever. 
Okay, so let's dive in yeah. and let's learn together because this is so cool. So, all right. So on September 1st, 1939, Nazi leader Adolf Hitler enjoyed... Uh, wow, I can't read. Mm-hmm. Um, just so everyone knows, I am drunk on Benadryl right now. So um, Adolf Hitler ordered the invasion of Poland. I almost said enjoyed the invasion of <laughs> Poland. <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure he did. But, uh, he um, probably he did, ordered... but that's not the correct word here. No. No, it's not. He ordered the invasion of Poland, and Poland, under German rule, was full of unimaginable suffering. Um, two men, however, risked their lives to lessen this suffering using the best of their abilities as doctors. Um, Stanislaw Medlu- Med- Med- Oh, Polish is hard. <laughs> oh, Polish is hard? Matulowicz, I think, and Eugene, I love the name Eugene. Yes. Um, Eugene Lazowski? Sure. I think that's right. My friend has a Polish last name, and it's it's pronounced absolutely nothing like the way it looks, (laughs) so I probably butchered both of those. Um, Okay, so they joined the Polish resistance and learned how to make perfectly healthy people test positive for the fatal disease typhus. Ooh. So, in short, these de- these World War II Polish doctors effectively created a fake typhus epidemic in order to save lives. How Good on them. fucking amazing. Yes. And then we all high-fived them. So, <clears throat> through their scientific ingenuity, Matulowicz and Lidzowski saved an estimated 8,000 people from extermination. Um, wow. Their story, yeah, this is so cool. So their story is one of bravery, discovery, and the ability to keep a massive secret from those, even from those they were treating. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and tre- treating is in quotes, because, yeah. of course. <clears throat> okay, so. <laughs> So in 1941, when Stanislaw Matulowicz was approached by a man on leave from a German work camp, desperate to find a way out of being forced to return, he knew exactly what to do. Kind of. (laughs) Uh, Matulowicz injected the man with a mysterious substance and basically crossed his fingers that it wouldn't exterminate him. Oh, wow. He told the man, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like die or die. Yeah. I mean, there's not really much risk there, to be honest with you. Um... It's called a death camp, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, He told the man to go home and come back in a few days. When the man came back, Matulowicz took a blood sample and sent it to the German authorities. And when the results of the blood test Matulowicz had sent in in, uh, returned as positive for typhus, the doctor knew he was on to something life-changing and life-saving. That's awesome. Woot-woot! So... Okay. Um Matulowicz had found had figured out ha- had figured out how to create a false positive for the vile Felix reaction, um the universal test for typhus by using a bacteria strain that clouded in the same way that typhus did when tested from his own backyard. When he realized he had found a way to trick the Germans into believing in a fake typhus epidemic, he recruited his friend Eugene, already a part, I'm not going to say his last name again, already (laughs) a part of the Polish resistance, to join him in his scientific revolt. Eugene joined the Polish, Polish, blah, 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 blah. I feel that so much. That's a, 
Yeah, that's that's hard. Eugene joined the Polish resistance in 1941, and he began secretly treating Jews through a hole in a fence in his backyard that connected his village to the separate Jewish ghetto. Doctors were prohibited from treating Jews, but but um, but Eugene was determined to fight any way he could. Oh my God. I'm gonna fucking cry. He was personally captured by them, but managed to escape after only two brief hours by scaling a 10-foot wall. Look at High him High five, go. Eugene. Um, he continued to defy the Germans despite the impending threat of torment. He carried a cyanide pill with him the entire duration of World War II so he could take his own life before the Germans could get him. Oh, Lots wow. of people did that. Yeah. <clears throat> Lots of people did that, yeah, because shit was bad. Okay. <clears throat> the Germans were ruthless, but there was one thing that deeply frightened them. Typhus. <laughs> the Germans the Germans were especially afraid of the disease because typhus was notoriously difficult to control in a war environment. The Germans knew this firsthand from their experiences with the disease in World War I. So the Germans were so afraid of typhus that they refused to deport anyone diagnosed with the disease, preferring to quarantine them in their homes. Wow. So they wouldn't deport any anybody with typhus to a death camp because of how much it would, it would break, because of the outbreak it would cause. Yeah. So, um, Matulowicz and Lazowski were able to brilliantly save Jews by only infecting non-Jewish Poles, knowing that if any Jew found testing positive for typhus would be offed immediately. Oh, wow. So they would just, like, kill them. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. Um, why am I surprised by Nazi behavior? (laughs) Okay. Um, The doctors faked an epidemic in various villages, and the Germans were so paranoid, they refused to go near the Jewish ghettos in those villages. So there you go. So they infected all the non-Jews to protect the Jews. Yeah. The doctors faked epidemics in nearly a dozen villages, saving not only Jews, but but also other innocent Polish people from the brutality. That's That's so amazing! I That's love these so people. clever. I want this movie. Yes. Oh, seriously. Where's this fucking movie? <laughs> so, <laughs> Matula, we're just still making stupid shit. All right. So, <laughs> Matulowicz and Lazowski took no risks when it came to their clandestine medical rebellion. And the, and the biggest liability of all was the patients. <laughs> when they began infecting anyone with the strain of the bacteria that would produce a false positive called Proteus OX19. They did so under... Which is cool. Yep. There's your title. <laughs> yep. <laughs> OX19 or whatever. Uh, or Proteus. So cool. Yeah. Um, they did so under the guise of it being what they called protein stimulation therapy. <laughs> <laughs> If a patient came to either of the doctors with any of the signs of typhus, meaning cough, fever, rashes, etc., even if that's not at all what they had, the doctors would quickly inject them with the harmless bacteria strain. That way, their symptoms and the blood their symptoms and their blood samples would point to the same conclusion: a a typhus epidemic. Mm Mm-hmm. Good for them. Brilliant. Brilliant. 
Because if it just comes back with a bunch of positives and nobody has symptoms, they're not going to believe it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Just insane. It's so incredible. Okay. So the doctors never told their patients what they were doing, which, you know, today I don't think you could get away with because they that would be unethical. Mm-hmm. But also, who the fuck cares? You're saving lives. Yeah. So the... T- and it literally does nothing to you. So the do- the doctors never told their patients what they were doing. And that's how they were. Yeah. Like this deep secrecy surely contributed to the success of their project. Because if you tell somebody, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, there's spies everywhere. Um, in fact, these patients never knew they didn't actually have typhus. <laughs> and the villages genuinely thought they were under threat of a typhus epidemic. So that kind of sucks. But it also helps them behave genuinely so um in addition to keeping their plans secret from their patients matulowicz and lazowski had to be incredibly careful to avoid outside detection detection they did so by mimicking the actual patterns of a real typhus outbreak oh my god this is so cool they began injecting patients on the outskirts of their village of Roswadaw. Uh huh. I don't know how you say that town. Roswadow, Roswadow, sure. <laughs> uh, before moving on, to, before moving on to other villages at the beginning of the season, moving closer to the village centers as winter wore on and decreasing at springtime. So he, they're even following the patterns of how an actual typhus outbreak would go. Yeah fucking brilliant it's just brilliant it's so brilliant they're doing so good it doesn't seem like they ever got cocky yeah they they did it in the perfect way so to be extra careful and to cast off suspicion the doctors injected patients and then sent them to other doctors in neighboring villages since the patients were already injected they would still test positive but numerous other other doctors took the blood samples seemingly confirming seemingly confirming the typhus epidemic. Good. Oh, it's amazing. Um, <clears throat> in the summer of 1943, Matulowicz escaped Poland after reaching his breaking point with the amount of violence and brutality he was seeing in his home country. Matulowicz staged two epidemics with Lazowski, but the latter was forced to create the third alone. Because he just couldn't take the suffering anymore yeah oh it's so sad despite doing his best to cast off suspicion lazowski could not escape scrutiny forever the main and only flaw in their plan no one was dying even though they had supposedly yeah even though they supposedly were infected with one of the deadliest diseases of the 20th century lazowski's claims that all his patients happened to have only a minor case didn't satisfy the health officials and they came to inspect the situation knowing (coughs) excuse me knowing he would be found out if the if the officials did any physical examinations lazowski hatched a brilliant plot he would he would put the sickest patients in the first rooms the nazis would walk into and pray that he could draw the Germans away from the less sick patients by stoking paranoia mm-hmm. and hosting a party. The Germans would see the sick patients but want to go to the party. Mm-hmm. But Lazowski could would continue encouraging them to do their inspection, thereby casting off any suspicions. So because they're like, oh, this is so brilliant. So the <laughs> Germans, tempted by the feast and scared of infection, 
breezed through the inspections like like Lazowski predicted. They didn't conduct a single physical examination. They just took blood and raced off to the party. Lazowski's quick thinking saved the entire endeavor. I'm so glad that he didn't just fucking run off to... No. Well, I mean, okay, he didn't just run off. He saw an opportunity to escape. Yeah. Like, let's not shit on the other dude. <laughs> no, no, like, that's not at all what I meant. Like, had, oh, okay. had it been me, I probably would have just said, he didn't just, like, it. panic. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't just panic. No, he... Oh, my God, he's he's brilliant. Yeah. So, in... Ju- because if you... Because if he left, and if he had panicked and left, this would have all been for nothing. Yeah. It would have... Uh, the whole thing would have been exposed. Yeah. So, in in June of 1942, Lazowski re- reluctantly treated a German military policeman for a venereal disease. <laughs> Lazowski was rude to the soldier named Nowak. Nowak? Sure. The doctor was unafraid because, as a German soldier, Nowak was technically forbidden from seeking treatment from a Polish doctor. (laughs) So they were both taking risks that day. (laughs) Yeah. Toward the end of World War II in July 1944, Nowak suddenly came back to Lazowski's office for a very different purpose. To warn the doctor who once treated him that he was on the the Gestapo hit list. Oh, no. The, the same man who Lazowski had witnessed stomp an infant into the ground had effectively saved the doctor's life. That's the kind of shit that was happening. And they're saving people from that happening. But that's why he fled. Yeah. So he's not a pussy. No, that that's <laughs> not at all what I I know meant. that you weren't saying that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know you're not saying that. I'm just clarifying for other people. Yeah. He's not a pussy for fleeing. Yeah. And escaping when he could. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks to Nowick's warning, Lazowski was able to escape with his family, but not before witnessing Nowick murdering Jewish children down the street. Oh. In 2000, at the age of 86, Lazowski returned to his hometown in Poland with his medical partner in crime, Matulowicz. The pair had previously written a memoir together. Oh my god, let's read it. Yes. They wrote, they wrote a memoir together titled Private War, in which they detailed their true story for the first time. Oh my god, that's a per- There you go. There's the movie. Yeah. Or the miniseries, whatever you want to call it. When the villagers of Rosadadao, I don't know how you say it, Roswadadao, <laughs> greeted them. Some thanked the doctors for curing their family members of typhus so quickly, highlighting the fact that even after all that time, the truth of Matelowicz and Lazowski's endeavors were... Oh, God, I'm so sorry, you guys. Uh, The truth of their endeavors was still not terribly well known. This is thank you, Lazowski. This is thank you, Lazowski cheekily replied. It was not real typhus. It was my typhus. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man. Isn't that amazing? Yes, that's my favorite story you've ever told. Yes. it's It might, it might be my favorite story, too. Oh, so, so good. All right. <clears throat> and we left with a book recommendation. Yeah. So, there's that. 
All right, you guys. Thank you so, so much for listening. Hope that gave you a little pep in your step, a little inspiration as we move forward into the dumpster fire that is America right now. <laughs> and um, please, please, please stay safe. And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, Bye guys. guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Crooked. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Crooked, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Crooked. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.